Goodness, greetings, especially to you, my beloved friend. Welcome weer eens by die water God. Ek is so blij. Jy is vandag weer by ons. Ek is Peter Warren en ons gaan nou weer een gouwe uur saamkeier langs die levende waters van Godse woord. I truly believe that we are entering a season of filling our lamps with oil and getting extra oil for them in preparation for the return of the bridegroom, like in the story of the wise virgins in Matthew 25. Before we get going on today's topic, let's just commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your truth that is in your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us to the truth, that you give us revelation of Jesus, who is the truth, and that you help us to become all that the Father wants us to be. We ask today, Lord, that you'd speak into our lives that you'd give us clarity of thinking and clarity of believing. We pray now that you stand over the word to see it brought to fruition. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing today in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, our first session today, we're talking on Jesus, my coming King. As I said before, I truly believe we are entering a season where we need to fill our lamps with oil and we need to get extra oil for them in preparation for the return of the bridegroom, like the wise virgin's story in Matthew 25. So today we will start with that story. And over the next several messages, we will look at several Bible study outlines of the different ministries of Jesus, starting with Jesus, my coming King. I also believe that we need to spend much more time just sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, listening to him, getting extra oil. We really need to factor much more silence into our daily lives, meditating on Jesus, our Savior, falling in love with him all over again. So let's begin then with the parable of the ten wise virgins. I'm taking it today out of Matthew 25, the first 13 verses. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. And at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, 
Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, rather go to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Just so far. Now this passage begins with the words, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like. Now I spoke before in my previous messages about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and the gospel of the kingdom, all basically meaning the same thing, the reign of Almighty God as King in every area of life. So then the kingdom will be like. I'm drawn to chapter 24, the previous chapter, to see what this statement means. Here are just a few pointers from chapter 24. Jesus is describing the signs of the beginning of the end times just prior to his return. He speaks of false Christs, wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes. He also speaks of persecutions, lawlessness, and the love of many growing cold. But he also says this in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So looking at what Jesus has prophesied in this chapter, we can clearly see that we are in the end times. I cannot say we are in the end of the end times, but what I can say is that we are closer today than we were yesterday. But also from an individual point of view, when is Jesus coming to fetch you? When is he coming to fetch me? Psalm 139 speaks of a book that the Lord has written of your life before you were born. And it was fully written before the first day of your life even happened. Well, beloved, what page are you on? How many more pages have you got? We have to look at these things. We have to talk about these things. But for today, let us consider this parable of the virgins a little deeper. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give us revelation of stuff that we haven't known before, that we haven't seen before. We call out to you, take us deeper, in Jesus' name. Now, the parable of the virgins is not meant to show that only those who wait diligently for the Lord go to the wedding with him. 
That's not what it's about. The whole crowd consists of confessors, the whole church of believers. They are all people who have come out to meet the bridegroom. What matters is to show the difference between the confessors or the believers. There are both real and false confessors. In this parable, the Lord is not the bridegroom of the church. The bride is not even mentioned in this parable. This is about personal responsibility during the absence of Christ until he comes again. It is a parable of the kingdom of heaven that is compared to ten virgins, the reign of God in your life and in mine. The number ten speaks of responsibility. It's our response to God's ability. The word virgins, maidens, speaks of devotion, of having only one beloved. They all have lamps, that is to say, a certain amount of light. They know the future. They all go out to meet the bridegroom. Then the Lord makes a distinction in the ten virgins. He calls five foolish and five wise. They are foolish believers and they are wise believers. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. The difference is not in going out because they all go out. They all received Christ. They also all have lamps. The distinction lies in having or not having extra oil in their lamps. What makes the foolish virgins foolish is that they have no extra oil. Now the oil is representative of the Holy Spirit, anointing. In the Old Testament, kings, priests and in some cases prophets were anointed with oil. The New Testament believer is anointed with the Holy Spirit in the same way. In 1 John 2 at verse 20, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. 2 Corinthians 1 from verse 21, Now it is God himself who has anointed us, and he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows we are his, since he has also stamped his seal of love over our hearts and has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring to give to the bride, a down payment of the blessings to come. It's very powerful stuff, yeah. Come sir. Became a sick and on Pratons Fader. Welcome back. Welcome terug. You are still tuned to the watering hole, the water gut op at radio. I am Peter Warren and we are talking about getting extra oil for our lamps. In other words, more 
of the Holy Spirit anointing. Now the Bible tells us, as I said, the New Testament believer is anointed with the Holy Spirit in this way. 1 John 20, 2 verse 20, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Then it speaks of flasks, or lamps if you like, extra flasks. The flasks speak of the body. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Wow. When the bridegroom delays, all ten of them fall asleep, wise and foolish. Having the Holy Spirit does not prevent the wise virgins from falling asleep. This indicates that the entire church, even those who have the Spirit, can lose sight of the Lord's return. In the early days of the church, the believers were looking forward to the coming of the Lord. But because of the delay of His coming, the expectation subsided and has subsided even more today. Then, when it is midnight, midnight, when the night is at its darkest, beloved, when the night is at its darkest, hear that, there is a shout, the bridegroom is approaching, the call of the Holy Spirit, behold, the bridegroom, like John the Baptist pointing at Jesus across the river. Behold, look, the bridegroom. The person of the bridegroom awakens the sleepers from their sleep, the presence of Jesus. Moreover, the exclamation, Behold, the bridegroom, look closely and see. Look closely, study him. It's not only meant to awaken in order to meet him, it also implies an appeal to see through study of God's word the magnificent beauty of Jesus Christ. And I will add, and to love him all over again. Besides waking up, activity is also expected. That's why it sounds as follows, come out to meet him. See, it's not only behold, study his beauty, but do something to meet him. Come out, if you like, come out of your comfort zone. Come out of your lack of devotion time. Come out of your lack of sitting silently before him. In Matthew 25, 1, they have already gone out once. Now the cry is to do that again, to meet him. It is about you and me meeting Christ in a much deeper way. Beloved, this is exactly 
where we are now as church. I believe we have a short window of opportunity to get extra oil. Those things that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, he said that all these things which you are seeing now are only the beginning of the birth pangs. Maybe it's just the labor part, but we haven't gone into the transition part. That hectic last half an hour. Maybe we're not there yet. Maybe we've still got a bit of labor time that we can use. Come and slice your speaking music and I can sell songs further. So, beloved, welcome back to the Watering Hole. I'm Peter Warren. And we're talking today about the five foolish and five wise virgins. Virgins. In the history of Christianity, we see this happening, that through the action of God's Spirit in the 19th century, there arises a renewed interest in the coming of Christ. Through the examination of the scriptures, especially of prophecy, the hope of the church is also rediscovered, as it was in the days of Paul. For the sake of Christ, wrong associations were given up and people began to live in accordance with the true calling of the Christian. What we see in the history of Christianity also applies to the life of the individual believer. Whoever lives with and in the expectation of the imminent, the soon coming of Christ does not live for the earth and what earth has. It lives for heaven and what heaven holds. What are you living for, beloved? Which one? You can't live for both. All the virgins wake up. All the virgins wake up. Both real and false Christians are preparing to meet the bridegroom. They all trim their lamps. They let the light they have shine again. That is also the moment that the foolish come to the discovery that they have no oil. Imagine running out of faith before Jesus comes back. Come on now. They see that their lamps are going out. They're losing their fervor. The veil on their face is fading. They had only lit the wick, but had not supplied themselves with oil. It's very sad. The lamp without oil represents a man who does not possess the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit anointing. The lamp of a natural person can sometimes let light shine for a little while, giving the impression that there is oil. But in reality, such a lamp goes out quickly. It merely has the form of godliness, but denies its power. There is enough time between the call and the coming, 
to make everyone's condition clear. There will be no excuse. Now the foolish come to the discovery they have no oil. They miss the essence of the light. The light they possessed was but an appearance of a light. They recognize that the wise do have oil. They see that the wise have a real relationship with the bridegroom. That is the crux. Their question to the wise is whether they may have some of their oil. But the wise know that they cannot supply oil. They refer the foolish to the dealers. Well, beloved, the Holy Spirit is your dealer. You need to get it from him. I can't give you mine. I can't walk your walk for you. I can't run your race for you. When the foolish have left to buy oil, the bridegroom comes. The wise, those who are ready, enter the wedding feast with him. Then the door is closed. When the other virgins come, they also want to go in. There is no mention made of oil. They want to go inside and beg the Lord to open up for them. But for the foolish, foolish virgins, it is too late. They should have been ready when the bridegroom presented himself. The Lord reminds them with words indicating that there is no connection between him and them. He does not know them. He does not pretend not to know them, but he really does not know them. And the word know is intimate knowledge, intimate relationship. They have never surrendered to him. There has never been love for him in their hearts. They found him interesting, but they never bowed before him. I spoke before in a previous message of when you received him, did you receive him as Lord and as Christ? He needs to be Saviour and King. The Lord Jesus ends the parable with a warning to be on the alert. This is the purpose of the parable. It must stir the wise to keep their eyes well open and not fall asleep. It must also stir the foolish to become wise now by buying oil before it's too late. There is still hope, beloved. But we have a brief window of opportunity. So you might ask me now, Peter, how do I get this extra oil? Well, as far as I know, you need to spend time in his presence. It's like taking a bath in bath oil. You don't have to suddenly do something for the oil to penetrate your skin. You put the oil in the bath you go, you go where the oil is and you immerse yourself in it. You then just spend time in it and it saturates your skin like a juicy piece of steak in a marinade. The meat does nothing. 
It just gets into the marinade and spends time there. By this, I mean you factor marinating time into your busy diary. Then you draw near to God and the Holy Spirit and spend time with them in the Word of God, simply drinking in. Jesus says, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink, all those who are thirsty and dry. Well, you need to do that. Drinking in until you overflow. And you keep doing this. Make it, make it a, a keep asking, keep knocking, and keep receiving. John 14, verse 3, And when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. The Lord Jesus telling his disciples that he is going to the Father for a specific purpose. That purpose is to prepare a place for them where the Father is in order to be where he is. He tells them that he is going to my Father's house. By this, he doesn't mean the temple because that temple had been defiled by the people. They had turned it into a place of business. That is why God rejected that house. Now, if your body is the temple, have you turned it just into a place of business? The Lord speaks here about the house of the Father in heaven. He says that it is a house with many dwelling places. And also the temple had multiple dwelling places. This is where the priests who served in the temple also lived. I believe what this shows us is that the temple was not only a place for God, but also for the priests. Now you and I, beloved, are all made competent as ministers of the new covenant. We are all priests of God. These were quarters for the people. Kom ons gaan nou voort met nog muziek en daarna gaan ons verder gesels. I read John 14:3 again. And when everything is ready, I will come back. I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. Come on now. Hear what he says. Your Lord does not lie. Read each word. Give it its usual meaning and drink it in. The house of the Father has no restrictions. The Lord presents it in its glorious spaciousness. Not only the Father and Son live there, but there is room for all of His own without distinction. It's like an ark. It's a place for everybody. Each to their own. The fact that the Father's house has dwelling places 
shows the ongoing stay of the believers in it, the enduring stay. They do not just come there every now and then, but they are welcome to dwell there. It will be your home. To underline the certainty of his words to the disciples, the Lord says that he would not have said so had it not been true. He would not create hope if he were unable to fulfill that hope for you and for me. In order to provide them with that place, he is already going there. It is necessary because without his preparation, they will not be able to get there. Now in this gospel, Matthew, the Lord speaks about the Father's house and not about crowns, cities, or a place in the kingdom. He speaks about those in other gospels. There is also no distinction between a larger or a nicer room here. There are many dwelling places. There is a dwelling place for each and every believer. Just right for you. This is the result of the love of the Father and the Son. A love that can never, 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 ever disappoint. The disciples have, have given up everything to be with the Messiah on earth and to receive everything from him. Now he will leave them. Will they all lose that when he will leave? No. On the contrary, they will get much more. He will go away and prepare an even more profound relationship, a deeper, more intimate relationship even, and a much more superior dwelling place where death has no access. Wow. The mind boggles. Mine does. In order to make that wonderful place accessible to you and to me, he has to go to the cross. Through his work on the cross and his resurrection, he will open the Father's house for people who otherwise could never come there because of their sins. Something else is also needed to prepare a place for people in the Father's house. I don't know if you've ever realized this. No one has ever been in the Father's house. No person. To open up the possibility for human beings, for men and women, to come there, it is necessary that he enters the Father's house as man. In his glorified body, he ascended. Wow. Since his ascension, there is a man in the Father's house. The magnificent consequence of his presence there as a man is that this guarantees that men and women too can enter the Father's house. Just think about that. Once the Lord has prepared a place for his own, he can then make the promise that he will come back to receive them to himself so that they too 
may be where he is. The tremendous blessing of the Father's house is not just a beautiful dwelling place, but it is the place of which he says, where I am. It is also the great blessing of paradise, where the fallen asleep believers are. Philippians 1, 23. Fallen asleep believers. So many of your loved ones. Wow. It is remarkable that the Lord does not speak of a certain time that would elapse between his going to prepare a place and his coming back to receive his own to himself. He says it, as it were, in one breath, so without a pause. When I have gone and prepared your place, I will come back. In the same sense, Paul also spoke about the coming of the Lord when he says, We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 14, 15, 4 verse 15. The fact that in the meantime, almost 2,000 years have passed without him coming back has to do with 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where he speaks of his patience toward you, not wishing for any to perish. He's giving people time in his grace to get saved. He's giving us time to preach this gospel of the kingdom to the nations of the world. The more you do it, the more you bring his time closer. The moment will come when the believers will enter there. This is not when a believer dies. In that case, the angels will come and bring him into paradise. You can read that story in Luke 16. But here he's promising that he will personally come. Personally to take up the believers and receive them to himself. While the living unbelievers, hear me now, the living unbelievers remain on earth and the unbelievers who have died will not rise from the dead but will remain in the tomb. The unbelievers who are living remain on earth the unbelievers who have died will not rise from the dead, but will remain in the tomb. And the believers will be raised to be with him, caught up to be with him in the sky. Wow, beloved, this stuff is very, very real. And we are seeing more and more signs every day. But my question to you, my friend, when is he coming for you? What page are you on? Please, with all the love I can muster for you, please be ready. Do whatever it takes. End whatever relationship needs to end. Do start whatever needs to start and stop whatever needs to stop. You cannot take a chance on this stuff. As we come to pray now, I encourage you it doesn't matter where you are. If you will honestly say, Lord, please come and help me.
whether you are close to him, fairly close to him or even far away from him. Maybe you don't even know him as your saviour. We're going to pray about that just now. But no matter where you're at, if you will just call out to him from an honest heart and say, God, please come and help me. Help me. You see where I'm at. He will. He'll come and meet you where you're at and he will help you. But you need to allow him to help you. You need to listen to what he's going to tell you. You need to embrace it and receive it. And then you need to obey and do what he tells you to do. Don't play games with God. This is not this is not games. This is real. The challenge is do you believe that your life can change today just by praying? Well let me tell you, it can and it will. Make a life changing decision right here, right now. Invite the Lord. Surrender to Him. If you don't love Him like you should, just be honest. He knows. He knows. Ask Him. Ask Him to help you. But beloved, more than anything, and I tell you this every day, thank Him for what He is going to do in answer to this prayer. You need to live a life of thanking God. I want to remind you, as I always do, you are not designed to just be defeated and destroyed by the devil and his assignments against you. You were designed to rise above those things, to live in victory, in overcoming. Kom ons luister vir oula en spiekie muziek en dan gaan ons bid. So welcome back, beloved. Let's do some business now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come, please. Come alongside. Would you comfort us? Would you energize us? Would you help us to pray? Would you show us what we need to see? Tell us what we need to hear. You know the heart and the plans of the Father. Would you help us to slot into them now? I pray this in Jesus' name. And now, my friend, you may be sitting there and you've heard this weird message. and You just know in your heart that your life is not right, but you, you need to make right with God. Well, you can do that. You can start that process right here, right now. But you're going to have to talk to Jesus about your life. Now, I will not put words in your mouth. There's no formula. 
But you need to say things to him. You can say things like, Jesus, I believe you died for all my wrong living. And I believe you rose from the dead and you come in to fetch your spotless bride to yourself to take her to be where you are. Well, I want to go with. I want to be part of that. So I ask you, Jesus, will you please come into my life now? Will you come in as my Savior, as my Messiah, as my King, as my Lord? Will you come and take charge and help me to become the man and the woman that you have always destined me to be? Will you forgive me all my wrongdoing, all my sins, even as I now forgive every person who has ever sinned against me and done me wrong? Everyone. I just release them from what they did and said and thereby I release myself from what they did and said. I'm going free today and I leave them to sort that out with you, Lord. That's not my business. And Father God, will you please forgive me for every time where I've accused you of doing wrong when in fact you have never done anything wrong at all. Would you forgive me, Jesus, for the way I've reacted wrongly during life's hurts, grudges that I've carried for far too long, people that I've deliberately hurt in response, all those kinds of things. Forgive me for that, Lord. I did not realize what I was doing. And so by faith now, I ask you to wash me clean and by faith I receive now that cleansing. I receive my salvation this day and my adoption into the family of God as his child. I thank you for that, Jesus. Amen. And now for all of us, The sing of Jesus coming is real. And the challenge is we don't know how much time we have left. You might wake up dead tomorrow morning. I might wake up dead tomorrow morning. I'm going to gym now. I might die on the way. Come on, this is real stuff. We've got to talk like this. We've got to confront our own mortality because the way you die, your condition with the Lord is cemented into place for eternity. You see, for you and me, eternity began a long time ago. We're already living it. Come on, let's ask our Father to help us. Are you ready to meet Him? Are you ready for Him to come and fetch you? All of a sudden, are you ready?
Are you ready if an angel comes to take you? And are you ready for that final when Jesus himself comes to fetch us? It's time to get extra oil. Father, would you please come and help us? Holy Spirit, would you please light a fire in our hearts? Would you create a passion in our hearts for Jesus Christ? Would you strengthen us? Would you strengthen us, Lord, that we don't give up, that we run our race and finish strong? Lord, thank you for your promise, for hope that will not fade away. We bless you now in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen and amen, amen. Das ich geliebt is. Wow, das kwaai goed hierdie, ne? Fleet, fleet, my story is uit. Weer eens, dankie vir die keier, by die watergat, is alweer een beetje koelerig. Ons het een ander seizoen, elke dag lyk het my. Sjo. Oh well. Moe nie jou warm kleren wegpak nie. Moe nie jou sommer kleren wegpak nie. Until we meet again, be richly blessed. As Peter Warren wat groet, tot die volgende keer, sterke, love your life, man. Love the people around you. Live for today with all the passion you have. And remember, the last chapter of your life is in your hands. You are writing it. God bless you. I love you so much.